appreciate that. You're an example to us for making this a priority. You're an example to my children, and I appreciate you for that. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful encouragement stop to worship. We can be an encouragement to you. Thank you for making this a priority in your busy day to stop to worship God. Uh, tonight, we are continuing a study that we started last Sunday night about angels. Um, and and I, I'll, I'll start the lesson Joseph read the same reading for us because I want to lay the same foundation. And a lot of folks weren't with us last week. And so I want to lay the same foundation about what we discussed about angels because there's a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of people venturing into things that they don't know about angels. But there are a lot of things that can be helpful to us that God tells us about angels. You remember last week I talked about the submarines that go out from shore uh, they go out from shore several miles on the surface. They're meant to be under the surface, but they go out on the surface. And they do that for one reason. They want all the spy satellites to see that there are submarines going out into the ocean. And then they go under the surface, so the enemy doesn't know where they are. They know they're out there, but they don't know where they are, what they're doing. They just know that there are submarines in the ocean, and that's on purpose. And I think God has done that with us in other areas as well. Last week, we mentioned Revelation chapter 10, beginning of verse 1. This is one such example. There are other examples like this where God gives us an indication of something but doesn't tell us details about it. In Revelation chapter 10, verse 1, I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. Four verses in our Bible that seem to be worthless. They're about to tell us something, but John says, I can't tell you what they said. Well, why would God even waste the ink, we asked last week. And we know that it's not a waste of ink because Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 4, verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word from God is important. And so those four verses in Revelation chapter 10 are there for a reason. And I believe the reason is God wants us to know there are things going on that we don't know about. God has things under control. He's doing things behind the scenes. He doesn't have to tell us everything that's going on. We need to take him in, in faith of what he says and that he is in control. And I think this is so true with angels as well. As we mentioned last week, there are literally hundreds of verses about angels. But there are a lot of important details in our perspective that are missing about angels. A lot of questions I would like to have answered about angels that simply are not in the Bible. But I believe God wants us to know that angels exist. He wants us to have a glimpse as to what they're doing, but he's not given us all the details. And so we have to just take it at what we have. There are, as I mentioned, a lot of perversions about angels. And those perversions can cause us to shy away from the subject completely. And we don't need to do that. We need to understand what the Bible tells us about angels so we can understand what God would have us to know about them. And the principles that we started our lesson with last week are valid again this week. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, the secret things belong to God. But the things that have been revealed to us 
are for us and for our children. God has things that we don't understand, that we don't know about that. That's by design. We need to take him at face value and trust him. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. There are a lot of people who speculate about things that are not revealed in the Bible, and when they do so, they end up causing disputes, and they weaken people's faith. We need to stick with what God has revealed to us in His Word, and that is exactly what we need. First, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, that we may be perfect, thoroughly equipped to every good work. I have everything I need here. I don't need to go venturing off into speculation and what ifs and what in other kinds of imaginative things. I need to stick with what the Bible has said and I can have everything I need in order to be pleasing to God. Last week in our lesson, we talked about angels in the Old Testament and what we know about angels in the Old Testament. This week, we're switching our focus to the New Testament. And again, as we mentioned in our title in our lesson, examining what the Bible teaches without venturing into speculation. We're going to stop where the Bible stops on the subject of angels. First up tonight, we know that the angels were very important in the life of Christ from the very beginning. You remember angels foretold his birth. Angels foretold his birth. And I've been told I need to slow down a little bit so the note takers can keep up with these. And we're going to be switching around a lot on, on the slides tonight. But angels foretold Jesus' birth. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, beginning of verse 26. Gabriel appears to Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever." And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, was, uh, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, be it to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Gabriel brings this news. Gabriel references Elizabeth and the fact that she's pregnant with John the Baptist. And Gabriel had previously brought this information to Zacharias, Elizabeth's husband. You remember as he was serving in the temple, as he was there, the angel appeared to him and, uh, and told him about the birth of John the Baptist. We don't know the angel's name, but an angel appears to Joseph in a dream in Matthew chapter 1 to tell him the news about uh, his 
soon-to-be wife's uh, pregnancy in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was as follow after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name. Brings this news to Joseph. And so the angel brings news of the, uh, of the birth of Christ. Angels also, after Christ was here, announced his birth. You remember he, they announced his birth to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 8. Luke 2, beginning of verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone about around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. That's no sign. Every baby is wrapped in swaddling cloths. The sign is he'll be laying in a manger. No baby gets laid in a manger. Jesus was found laying in a manger. And then after that news comes, the host, the heavenly host praises God. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And so the angels brought news of his birth to him, them. They also protected Jesus after his birth. They protected him while he was still a child and an infant. In Matthew chapter 2, you remember after the, after the wise men come and look for Jesus, they don't find him in the manger. They don't find him there. They find him in a house. This is sometime after his birth. You remember that Herod wanted him to be them to come back and tell them the news. He feigned that he wanted to go and worship the, babe, the child. But instead, he had intentions on killing him. And the angel brings news about the fact that they're going to try and eradicate Jesus. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And so the angel, angel tells Joseph it's okay to come back and go to Egypt. And after Herod is gone, the angel tells Joseph it's okay to come back in Matthew chapter 2, verse 19. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. And so the angel is helping protect Jesus. And as Jesus turns into adulthood, and after he's baptized, you remember he goes into the wilderness, and there he's fasting, and then the devil comes and tempts him. And after he's done tempting him, it says the angels come and minister to him. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. We don't know what that ministering entailed as they ministered to Jesus, but you remember he has been fasting. And he no doubt is weak physically at this time. Their ministering could have been similar to what they did with Elijah in ministering to Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. 
In 1 Kings 19, verse 5, Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. And so Elijah needed ministering to physically. Perhaps this is the kind of ministering the angels did to Jesus after he had been fasting for those 40 days in the wilderness. They ministered to him at the temptation. And then again, before his crucifixion, before his betrayal, as he's in Gethsemane, we remember that the angels ministered to him there. And, and we see that in Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, verse 41. And as he was draw, uh, withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not at my will, but yours, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Angels ministered to him. We sing a song sometimes uh, about it before the Lord's Supper, about the angels ministering to Jesus and the, that tone that soothes Jesus. Uh, and, and, and I've wondered in the past, is that scriptural? Well, that, it is scriptural. The angel, an angel came to Jesus and helped him in Gethsemane. What was that like? What was that strengthening like? We don't know what it was like. But we do know that angels strengthened Daniel at a time that he needed strengthening. In Daniel chapter 10, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 18, Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you, be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. It may have been something as simple as that, the angel coming to Jesus and telling him to be strong. You can do this, be strong. We don't know what it was, but Jesus was in great agony. He needed that, and the angels came and strengthened him. And after his crucifixion, we know and remember that the angels rolled away the, the stone from the tomb. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and set upon it. This was a gr great stone. You remember the women were worried that we're not going to be able to get this out of the way. This was not a, just a small rock. This was a big stone. The angel came and rolled it out of the way. And after that, at verse 3, his countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The guards saw him. They're going to propagate the lie that they were asleep and the disciples came and stole him. That lie is so much more uh, uh, evil and wicked because we know from inspired scripture here that they actually saw the angel that rolled the stone away and they were afraid of the angel. And they had the audacity then to spread that lie that he was stolen away rather than have faith to believe. There are a lot of examples like that we can look at from the Bible where even seeing a miracle would not guarantee that you would be faithful and obedient to God. The guards saw the angel roll the, tomb, the stone away and they were not faithful to God. Amazing. And so, uh, they ministered to Jesus at, 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 throughout his life. They roll the stone away from the tomb, and they appear following his resurrection to spread the news of the fact that Jesus died. But the angel said in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, beginning of verse 5, 
But the angel appeared and said to the women, uh, this is the women minus Mary Magdalene. She had gone on to tell Peter and John uh, about the tomb being empty or the, the stone being rolled away. The angel said uh, to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they go, the angel spreads the news about his resurrection. The angel then appears to Mary Magdalene uh, as she is on her way to tell uh, Peter and John, or, uh, after, uh, after Peter and John had left her, Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping as she wept. Uh, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white setting one at the head and the other at the feet uh, where the body of Jesus had lain. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken my Lord away and I do not know where they have laid him. And then after he, his resurrection and he is on the earth uh, for 40 days, he is, ascends into heaven. And we remember that there was an angel there, two angels who there at his ascension in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. In Acts chapter 1, verse 9, Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in wide apparel. In verse, uh, verse, uh, verse 11, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up to you from you in, into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And so there is uh, a presence of angels there at the ascension, giving his uh, disciples instruction on what they should do. All right, as we go on. We also know that the angels are currently worshiping Jesus in heaven. Angels are worshiping Jesus in heaven in Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. And I beheld and I heard a voice of thousands and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto them, him that setteth on the throne, and to the angel forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Angels are worshipping uh, there in heaven, worshipping Jesus. And they will accompany Jesus when he comes back the second time. In Matthew chapter 16, in Matthew chapter 16, the angels will accompany Jesus when he comes again. In Matthew 16, verse 27, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. Jesus is coming again with angels. Mark 8, verse 38 says, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father, with the holy angels. Jesus is coming with angels when he returns. He will not be alone. He will be with angels. They will help as he, they are, the dead are raised from the tomb. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So there's going to be angels with Jesus, and they will help as he brings judgment to the world in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 beginning. Sorry, 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7. 
When he comes to bring judgment and condemnation upon the wicked, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the... Uh, and, uh, at, from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified with his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because of our testimony of you, among you was believed in that day. And so the angels will be with Jesus and they will help separate the righteous from the wicked. That's in Matthew chapter 13. They will help separate the righteous from the wicked. Matthew 13 verse 40. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the angels are going to go and help separate the righteous from the wicked. So throughout Jesus' life, lots of things there that they were involved in, that they will be involved in in the future as it relates to Jesus throughout uh, his reign as king. Now, what does it tell us about angels as far as how they related to Christians? Let's look at how angels worked with Christians in the first century, and then we'll conclude uh, as to how angels are involved in our lives today. As they were in the first century, how were angels in the first century? Well, they provided deliverance from prison in the first century. We have a couple instances of this, one in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, as the apostles are thrown in prison, in Acts chapter 5, verse 17, that the high priest rose up and all who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them into the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord appeared, uh, opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And so the angel helps deliver uh, the apostles from prison. It's not the only time it happens. It happens in Acts chapter 12 with Peter in Acts chapter 12, verse 7. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird up yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that it was done by an angel, that, that which was done by an angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Uh, when they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down the street, and immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel, who delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. And so the angel delivered uh, Peter here. Angels that were involved in the deliverance of first century Christians from prison. They were also involved in cases of conversion. Not every case, but we have examples of them being involved in conversion. In Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 8, as Philip is go, told to go to the eunuch from Ethiopia, he's told to do that by an angel. The angel gives him that word. In Acts 8, beginning of verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And setting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And so the angel tells him, Peter, or Philip, to go and catch up with this eunuch. 
The angel was, an angel was also involved in the conversion of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse 1 beginning. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come to the, up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. And so we see a couple examples there where angels were involved in conversions. Angels were also used to bring judgment. In Acts chapter 12, in Acts chapter 12, verse 21, in that gruesome story of Herod, after he becomes lifted up in pride and refuses to, or does not give God the glory. Notice what is said here in, in Acts chapter 12, beginning verse 21. So on a set day, Herod arrayed in royal peril, set on his throne, and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. The angel of the Lord smites Herod as he uh, does not give God glory. They also brought encouragement to Christians. While Paul was on his journey to Rome, in that uh, tumultuous sea. You remember what Paul says in Acts chapter 27. In Acts chapter 27, beginning of verse 21, but long, after long absence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I encourage you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. Indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So an angel brought encouraging words to Paul. Angels also, in the New Testament, brought revelation of God's will. In Revelation chapter 1, as we've been studying the book of Revelation in our Sunday morning class, we remember what Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to a servant, John. The angel was instrumental in bringing this revelation to John. At the end of the book, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And so the angel was involved in bringing God's revelation. Now that revelation also included... The revelation of God's will in another form in Revelation chapter 8, verse 2. And we see numerous cases of this. In chapter 8, verse 2, I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. We remember as we studied those trumpets, those trumpets are, seem to indicate that God is giving a warning to mankind through plagues and difficulty, that He's sending a warning to mankind with those trumpets. The angels were instrumental in delivering that warning. And then as uh, we go farther in the book of Revelation, it switches from trumpets to bowls, pouring out that wrath. No longer is a warning sound of a trumpet, but it's actually the bowls, being, the wrath is being poured out 
And the angels are instrumental in that. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 1, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God upon the earth. And so the angels are instrumental in that as well. And so angels brought revelation of God's will. I would say as we think about what angels are doing currently today, that we understand uh, from the scriptures that God's revelation is complete now. And so I would say angels are not involved in bringing additional revelation to God now. We know that that revelation is ended. And from uh, passages like 1 Corinthians 13, the book of Jude as well, that God's revealed will has been revealed. And so I don't believe they're still revealing his will today, but they were in the first century. All right. And that brings us to perhaps what's most pertinent to us in this discussion and that is, how are angels involved with Christians today? What does the Bible tell us about this? Again, there's a lot of speculation. And there are going to be a lot of questions that we don't have answers to. And the verses I'm going to show you uh, from the scriptures are going to probably, perhaps, it's like those submarines. They're out there. We don't know where they are or what they're doing. We know they're out there. And we know that angels are active today. We don't know exactly what they're doing, but we know some things that they're doing. We know that angels are concerned for our well-being, and we should take comfort in that. In Luke chapter 15, verse 10, in Luke 15, verse 10, Jesus says, Likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That tells us that there are angels who are interested in our souls. When a sinner repents, angels rejoice. They're interested and concerned about our souls, and we ought to take comfort in that. We know also from Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, that little ones are said to have angels. Now, what that entails and how that works, we don't know. But little ones have angels, according to Jesus. Matthew 18, verse 10, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Little ones have angels. Are there one angel per child? We don't know. We don't know how it works, but little ones have angels. And there is an indication that adults do as well. In Acts chapter 12, verse 15. In Acts chapter 12, verse 15, you remember after Peter gets left out of, out of prison, you remember Rhoda comes to the gate and she sees Peter knocking at the gate and instead of opening the gate, she goes in and leaves him standing there. But notice what they say to her. But they said to her, you are beside yourself, yet she keep it, kept insisting that it was so, so they said, it is his angel. They seem to believe that people had angels. We don't know. But they said, little ones have angels. How that works, we don't know. But we ought to take comfort in that, that there's something else, that, is, that angels are out there. In Psalm 91, verse 11, in Psalm 91, verse 11, in a passage that is referencing those who are faithful to God, notice what it says. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Goes along with this idea. Again, we're not given a lot of details, but there's some, angel, uh, some act, uh, interest by angels here over our well-being. There's joy in the presence of angels over one sinner who repents. Luke 15, verse 10. Little ones have angels in, in God's presence in Matthew 18, verse 10. 
Angels are giving charge over the faithful to keep them in all their ways. Psalm 91, verse 11. And then in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, another reference to angels with not a lot of detail, but again goes along with this idea that angels are interested in our well-being. Hebrews 1, verse 14, speaking of angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Angels are ministering spirits directed towards our salvation. We don't know exactly any more than that, but we should have comfort in that fact. And then we know that angels will assist us at our death. Have you ever been somewhere that was somewhat intimidating and you had a guide with you? And take comfort in the fact that there's a guide, someone who's been through this before or knows where to take you, where you're going. Great comfort in that. Imagine if you were going to some big city. Maybe you're going to New York City. You've never been there before. And you're gonna, they're going to drop you off right in the middle of Times Square. Wouldn't you like to have somebody beside you that knows where to take you to get you safely where you want to be? In the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16, verse 22, in Luke 16, verse 22, so it was that the beggar, Lazarus, died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Lazarus didn't have to make that journey alone. And we won't have to make that journey alone either. The angels carried Lazarus to Abraham's bosom. And so we have, I think, just about the extent of what we know about what angels are doing for Christians today. Not a lot of detail. We're not going to speculate. There's speculation about guardian angels and all of that. We don't know. But we know what the scriptures have revealed to us, and that's all we need to know. And I, again, believe God wants us to know that angels are working, that angels are out there, that angels are interested in us and concerned about us. And we can leave it at that. And we can trust in God that he will take care of us in whatever way he does, so that we can be faithful and pleasing to him. Before we conclude tonight, and we're running close on our time, I want to tell you there are some warnings about angels in the scriptures that we need to be careful about. We need to heed some warnings uh, about angels from the scriptures. First off, the scriptures are very clear that we do not worship angels. As I mentioned last week, there are people who are worshiping angels. We have figurines and images and icons of angels. And people, I'm afraid, are into, into this, this idea of worshiping angels. The scriptures are very clear. We don't worship angels. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, I fell at his feet to worship him. This is John speaking. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The angel tells John, who's about to worship him, you don't do that. I, you do not worship angels, you worship God. Same idea is referenced in Revelation chapter 22, verse 8. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Over and over again, John's being told, you don't worship angels. And no doubt, you do not worship me. 
Paul gave a similar warning in Colossians chapter 2. In Colossians chapter 2, beginning of verse 18, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. You don't worship angels. Paul said, don't start to worship angels. Don't do that. And by the way, don't intrude into those things which he has not seen. Don't venture off into that realm of speculation. Don't be worshiping angels. Don't worship angels. And also the scriptures tell us that we do not heed doctrines from them. We talked about this, I believe, Wednesday night in our, in our Bible class. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says a couple times, But if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now, we talked in Bible class about whether this is hyperbole, about this, whether this could really happen. And we don't know the answers to that exactly. But if it did happen, we wouldn't listen to them. We'd listen to this. And if it is hyperbole, that even if an angel were to appear to you in your living room tonight and tell you, hey, you need to do this. If it doesn't line up with this, you don't do it. So if I were to happen to come to you and tell you something that doesn't line up with this, by all means, you wouldn't do it. Or if Mark said to do it or anybody else said to do it, we wouldn't do it. We would worship and serve God and do what he said to do. And we also have to be aware of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 says, And no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Now, whether Satan still is able to do this today, we don't know. But again, we need to be careful. If we were to hear anything that is not in accordance with God's word, we would reject it. And so even if an angel from heaven preaches something different than what we read in the scriptures, we reject it. Well, I hope the last two Sunday nights have been helpful to you and encouraging to you as we think about what God has revealed to us about angels. If it was up to me, there would be a lot of things that would be further explained about angels. A lot of questions I'd like to have answered. But those questions are really irrelevant. They're not necessary. I have everything I need to know about angels. And it is incumbent upon me and upon you that we stay within the bounds of Scripture, that we don't go wandering out of that and start speculating and coming up with these wild ideas about angels because no good will come from that. It is totally fruitless. We need to stay within what the Scriptures teach. Well, what about you tonight? You know, the angels are interested in your soul salvation. And if you are here tonight and you're not a Christian or if you're a Christian and you've not been living like you should, the angels would rejoice if you would get right with God. And all of us would rejoice as well. There's nothing more important than our soul salvation. If we can help you with that, will you let us know while we stand and sing?